So they're talking about how many digital accessibility lawsuits were filed in 2022. There's about 80 to 100 lawsuits a week in 2022 with restaurants. I'm trying to read the menu and they have a PDF and I'm looking on the phone. I can't zoom in. And I'm like, oh, a person with a screen reader would not be able to read that or zoom in or stuff like that. But I'm also the type of person that will reach out to somebody to say, mm-hmm. you know, there's a problem. Can you address this? But there unfortunately are people that intentionally speak these out. Well, hello, and welcome to season two of the Simple and Smart SEO Show. The podcast for solopreneurs, service providers, and e-commerce sellers who want to learn the basics of SEO in all the places it shows up. I'm Crystal Waddell. I help Shopify store owners go from feeling like an SEO zero to your very own SEO hero in just one day using AI, UX, and other tech ninja moves. And I'm Brittany Herzberg, SEO and case study copywriter, helping service pros increase sales without being on 24-7 using the power of SEO, story, and social proof. We're just a couple of business besties who love learning and sharing what we've learned as we show you how simple and smart SEO can be. So what are we waiting for? Let's jump in. Welcome back. We are here on the Simple and Smart SEO show. And today we have a super awesome guest. I have been wanting to talk about this stuff for (laughs) a hot minute now. So we've got Erin Perkins on and we're going to be talking about SEO and accessibility. So say hi, Crystal and Erin. Hey. (laughs) Hi, guys. I am so excited to have you here. So Erin and I met recently in a like a networking group, a collaborating group. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, I have to jump on this opportunity to possibly be able to talk about this subject on the podcast. Um, before we get into that, though, Erin, tell us a little bit about what you do in the online world and just in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I am Erin Perkin. I am the founder of Mabelie Q and recently took a platform called Sustainable. And I am deafblind. Most people don't realize it because I can see. I still have central vision, but that's only because I have tools that help me. So what I do is I really work with business owners online to create and ensure that their businesses are accessible, not just their website. A lot of people think accessibility website, that's it. It actually goes so far beyond that now, especially with how things change so quickly in the online world. Like we have to keep things in mind and realize that this, this technology is what keeps people with disabilities connected to the rest of the world because it's a lot easier for them to yeah. do it on their computer rather than in person because there's a lot more optical in person. Yeah. I have, I definitely have some extra questions for you, but before we get into the list of questions and just like all the things, what do you think of or like, how do you think of SEO? How do you define it? I'm so curious. So like just engine optimization, like for the longest time I was like, oh my God, that's just like something tech. I don't need to know. I felt like it was coding. And then when I got into business, it was like, oh, this is just really making sure you write things the right way so that people can find you and search you on your search engine. Like yeah. Google might put a platform. So. Yeah. 
Okay, so I have a question. There's different different ways that we can make our content more accessible, right? Like using alt text and naming our pictures. And those are also SEO strategies as well or tactics. So how does that impact you having alt text on pictures? And are there other like hidden elements online that help you? So for me right now, those hidden elements are not necessarily impacting me personally. But as I get older and I lose my vision, like that's gonna happen. That's why I'm being proactive in a way because I know alt text, image description, all these like things that are put on behind the scenes for people to use screen readers really do help. So it's really important that when you're writing alt text, a language properly formed, not just really strung together. Yeah, just keywords. And then you're like, what is this? (laughs) I've talked about her before on the show. She and I joke that she's like my blind web designer friend, Robbie. She actually like did an audit of my site a couple of years ago. And I am by no means perfect. My website is by no means up to like the standard that I would hope that it would be. So don't judge me too harshly, people. But I listened as her screen reader was reading my website. And that was really when it clicked for me about the images. I was like, I have so many and I still do. I have so many images on there where it's just like IMG4532. And like, that's not helpful. <laughs> no, anybody. it's not helpful. It's one of those things where like, if it's a decorative image and you're just using it, I can understand. If you're a photographer, you'll be like, I have to do alt text for everything, single one of those mm-hmm. where you now rely on. AI, artificial intelligence, that can help you write your SDL for you. There's benefits to that, but I totally get, I know I'm far from perfect too, because (laughs) I'm not coding my website. I'm using Squarespace. I'm keeping it simple. I'm doing what I can to make sure I have like alt text for everything. I try to write my SDL so that makes sense. I'm learning how to do it for my email system. It's like Mm -hmm. all these things. It's a learning process, right? I understand we're not all going to get perfect the first time around. You might not even get it perfect the fourth time around. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. There was a question that I was thinking of when you were talking about all of these different places that we can keep accessibility in mind, not just on our websites. I remember very clearly being on a clubhouse conversation. So I mentioned to you that my background is as a massage therapist. And somehow it was so cool. And I was so grateful for this opportunity. I didn't set up the room like this, but I was in a room hosting this room with other blind massage therapists. Mm-hmm. And there were like four or five. And I was like, can I just ask you guys some questions? And they were like, yeah. So we ended up on the topic of Pinterest. And they were telling me, which I didn't know, I assumed that Pinterest might be one of the better platforms for someone who's visually impaired. But it turns out, and I can see you shaking your head no, it turns out it's one of the worst. So really? can you... Yeah, can you speak to some of the things? Yeah, because like Pinterest started out as just a visual search engine. So there was no thought process that was put in place to say, hey, we need to make sure that when you pin these images, you're also writing the correct alt text and stuff like that. So it is definitely hugely flawed. I feel like they're definitely improving, but the million billion of images that I think they're never going to catch up. So Pinterest is definitely not a acceptable platform for blind people. Yeah. It's unfortunate. 
it made me so sad because it, like I said, at first it was just like, surely that would be a place that they mm-hmm. would make sure to have alt text and, and be considerate and have like different accessibility points. And nope. That's the problem with a lot of these startups when they are business. Accessibility is the last thing they think about. It's one of those things that they think about like when they're like yield into the business and then it ends up costing 30 times as much to fix that. And Pinterest is not a startup anymore. Mm-hmm. Are they going to fix that? I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking about that as you're speaking about that on Pinterest because I'm taking this UX design course. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they talk about is designing for accessibility. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a special needs PE teacher. So I was really excited about that. It's like my standard was going to be way up here. But then as I started building the mm-hmm. pieces, I was like, this is really difficult to mm-hmm. really think through that. But I can definitely see how it's better to, to go difficult in the beginning than mm-hmm. to try and go back and optimize all of those elements, all those pages, all of everything, especially on a site like Pinterest. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to constantly reinvent the wheel because they feel like if they reinvent the wheel and they create something different, it's going to be really more creative. But it's actually the opposite. Being able to create something based on what is already done, but make that even better is what's going to be more creative and more beneficial for all people. Yes, we need creativity in the world, but I think we're at this stage in life where no idea is original. Or even phrases or statements too. Like they're not they're not original. Yeah. No, yeah. but nothing is original anymore. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. That's my favorite book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. There's nothing oh, new under the sun. <laughs> I didn't know that was in the Bible. That makes sense, but I didn't know that. <laughs> Speaking just of social media platforms, is there a favorite one that you have, like one that you find that's like easiest to navigate given any kind of disability that someone may have? I use Instagram because I like the OG. Yeah. Because it was about pictures and that was, mm-hmm. and that. To me, when I first started, I resisted Instagram for a long time as a personal follower. And then I realized, oh, this is a platform where I can be part of this world and not feel left out. Because it literally was all pictures and that would, and then Instagram started changing and then I started feeling left out with the video, the story. And it's like, what do I do now? It was very frustrating. So that began the educational journey of like, yo, caption your video. But Instagram didn't have those features at the time. So it was like, yay. Now it's like, (laughs) wait. But the way they've set it up is I do not have auto caption turned on my personal Instagram. Because one, it's not always correct. Two, it's obscured by the actual caption that yep. these words are the same mm-hmm. or like I can't read it because it's obscured it's like layer over layer and it's just so frustrating that I turn off auto caption and mm-hmm. if you don't personally caption your video I yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it's hard that was one of my pet peeves like when they first started coming out with reels and like making sure I did get captions it took a while and that was like really frustrating for me. And I was even one of the people that was like, can we get captions? Yes, no one thought of this. So when they got it, 
I was very glad, but then making sure it's at the right point mm-hmm. in the video is challenging, but it's something that I try to make sure. And if it ever, there's one video that I think it didn't go to the right place and it was because it didn't save properly oh. and it drives me up a wall and I'm like, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I just have to let that go. Like it was one video. I tried my best. And then even this is totally out of left field, but even with our podcast, we didn't always have a transcript. And it was honestly because we've had this conversation before on a different episode, but we weren't sure, is it better to put something out that's flawed or is it better to have nothing and, I don't know, figure out some other way to get information out there. But we've ended up going ahead and putting out the the probably flawed transcript just because it, it seems like it's better than nothing. I also want to let you know that my free three-day challenge is back. So if you want to join the Supercharge Your SEO three-day challenge, it is June 4th, 5th, and 6th, and you can register for free at crystalwidell.com forward slash supercharge. So hope to see you inside the challenge. Mm-hmm. I would say with transcript, yes, flawed is better than nothing because then you'll get a leader. But if you can at least do a quick run, and read that script and make sure things do make sense. Because I know my voice doesn't always translate properly on mm-hmm. transcript. You guys might be able to understand me, but this is where AI not so smart. No, it's not. <laughs> there's like a there's definitely a, a, a wall that it hits where it's like, we've got it all the way up until this point. Mm-hmm. But you know what that tells me? That tells me that there's that much more opportunity for AI to improve or there's a space for this type of AI. And again, as a special needs PE teacher, I've thought a lot about AI and how it could be used in like special education in classrooms to bridge the gap and just help kids where maybe they are lacking, whether it's a skill area or disability, could it bridge for them? in some way. Can't really get my mind around it right now. I think it's such a huge potential field for someone. 100%. Like, I don't feel like my English writing is my strong. So mm-hmm. I'll write stuff out, but then I'll ask, hey, can you reword this or something? And then the way they write it sounds better, but sometimes it doesn't. I'm like, you just need a word. Yeah. <laughs> just make it works. <laughs> That's where common sense comes and you're like yeah. looking at it, that this sound appropriate or in like bad or whatever. But I right. will say with chat GPT, it is only mining information from 2021 and before. The information they have about accessibility is actually quite working. Got it. They are behind in that. But chat GPT 5 is supposed to come out. So hopefully that will be better. I didn't even know that. That's really cool. I'm glad you pointed that out. Mm -hmm. So if you're using ChatGPT, make sure you're using the five when it comes out. (laughs) So have we talked about some of the biggest mistakes that you see business owners making when it comes to their own websites? Your everyday (laughs) business owner? Us. One, I made this mistake when I first started. I wanted I have a background in the graphic designer. I wanted to have control over how my images and text look. So I would do a lot of graphics with text overlay and then put that on my website. You know, no, no. Right? 
you can't do that. If you're going to do that, make sure you include alt text with that graphic image because the screen reader cannot read the graphic image, especially if they're just text overlay. I think it's the biggest issue that people make with their website in regard to be able to search that website and then not using the headers properly. Like mm-hmm. you have H1, H2, H3, and for a screen reader to read that, it will skim the headers to get the content. And then they'll decide if they want to continue on reading your website. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's good really, to know. That's one thing that I remember Robbie telling me. And I was like, oh, and I think that was around the same time I was learning about SEO. So I was like, oh, that's definitely a place I need to be putting some of the keywords. So mm-hmm. I was really grateful that she called that out because it helped me put all the pieces together. I'm curious. Can I walk through like an example of what to do or what I do? And we'll see if it's a yeah. good practice for alt text. Okay, so let's say I do a lot of stuff with like social proof. Mm -hmm. So in case studies, I might have a screenshot where it's just text and that's it. So my thought has been, okay, for the image title, let me make sure that it has something to do with the keyword, something to do with the main point of what they're sharing. And then for the alt text, I think what I've been doing is saying this is a screenshot and then pulling out like the most important quote or sentence or it's not all of the text but it's the main thing that I would want someone to, to walk away from. It's like the one line that I want a sighted person to be going yeah. toward. And therefore, I would also want someone who's visually impaired to be able to get that point. Does that seem like a good practice? So I think that it's a good practice, but if you really want them involved, then add a caption below that green job. So you said what is written above it. Because I get all text, you only allow 140 characters, 100 characters, and you're supposed to keep it short, and that's totally fine. But does that translate that full screenshot plus enough? That's where you have to look at your perspective is using alt text, translating the information from screenshot. Is it enough? If it is not enough, then that's where you need to go move into writing out the full text. Or if you already have it in your case study note and you're writing, you're saying basically what that screenshot said and you're showing that screenshot, then you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's like making sure that you're still tying in that screenshot to the content that you've written as well as the alt text. Got it. Because otherwise, I would imagine it would be really, really repetitive. For someone right. listening to Jaws, that's going to be a screen reader, mm-hmm. to hear them say it like four times in a row, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why you have to like think about it. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm just repeating information. But no, you don't want to repeat information. If you're doing a social proof case study and you have like a screenshot of something, try to weave that into your content rather than just repeat it over and over and over again. That's a good reminder. And thanks. Mm-hmm. I will definitely make sure that I add that into the caption versus just trying to pull out, unless it makes sense, like you said, I'll be really evaluating how to handle those situations. That's right. Like, you insight. could literally hmm? and then write in the caption what it said, and then you're not repeating anything at all. You've blown so, my mind just with that one tip. 
So we might be overlapping a little bit. If we are, please excuse me. But how can we make sure that our content follows best practices for SEO and accessibility? So I know you mentioned the headers and that's how the screen readers read the content. That's really interesting. Is there anything else? I think the best practice for a lot of people is actually to go through your content by testing it out with a screen reader. I can't do that because I can't screen reader with a disadvantage to me, unless I had the captioning reading it out. But I probably could test that out now that I think about it. <laughs> but yeah, I would say really go through your website and listen to how it's being read out loud by the screen reader and then just start writing down what things you need to edit and make tweaks. I know a lot of sales pages are a million pages long. Can we keep those shorter? Because imagine how the people using screen reader feel when they have to listen to you repeat the same thing 10 times. Right. Honestly, yeah. because like it's it, for a sighted person, I know I, I've just talked about this in the last week. I used to read every single line top to bottom on a sales page. I no longer do that because my time feels more finite. So mm-hmm. I go through and I look at the headlines. And when I'm writing a sales page, I really try to pay attention to those headlines. Thank you for saying that we need shorter sales pages because that's one thing that I've planted my flag in. I'm like, please stop making these a million pages long because no one's going to sit there and read it um, unless they're forced to. And even then, they don't really want to. I can't imagine right. myself wanting to carve out 20 minutes of my day and have a screen reader read that to me. <laughs> I will say the people that use screen readers, they can adjust their speed okay. and listen to things faster, which is nice, although the voices might sound different. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they do have that banner as well. I know I watch um, videos on probably 1.75 because I can read the caption really fast. So I'm not necessarily having to listen to word for word. I can just read. Mm -hmm. So that pro with adjusting the speed. For me, I created my sales page for susceptible and I kept it super short. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it was that long because I was like, (laughs) I don't have time for it. No. (laughs) I was just thinking there's an app called Speechify. I downloaded onto my computer and my phone. And this is a PDF reader. And oh. so I can listen to it, read PDFs that I download. I've Susan Riot, she had a freebie about UX. And so I listened to her freebie like that. It was really cool. The only thing I didn't like about it, every time it got to the start of the new page or the end of the page, it would read the footer and it would read the header. And so it would be- that's where um, the coder would have to in- put in place a hidden link to skip that. Yeah, that is annoying. That's good to know. Is there a screen reader that you would recommend that we could use to read out the pages? A lot of people have been recommending the Chrome screen reader. And it's just screen reader? Just search that under Chrome? If you could, Yeah, if you could use it under Google link Chrome. To that. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. making a note. <laughs> That's really good to know. I want to talk a little bit about the legal... Uh, mm-hmm. ramifications of not considering accessibility on your websites. Do you have any information you know on that? Or I actually have this pulled out that I was going to put it in my community. Mm-hmm. So in 2022, they're talking about 
How many digital accessibility lawsuits were filed in 2022? There's about 80 to 100 lawsuits a week in 2022. However, most of the lawsuits were filed in New York, California, and Florida with e-commerce receiving most of the claims. And this comes from usablenet.com. There are definitely legal ramifications. They're saying that the most likely form to receive lawsuits are usually retail, e-commerce, restaurant, food service. And I can understand that because with restaurant, I'm trying to read the menu and they have a PDF and I'm looking on the phone. I can't zoom in. And I'm like, oh, a person with a screen reader would not be able to read that or zoom in or stuff like that. So the I can see why these lawsuits do happen. But I'm also the type of person that will reach out to somebody to say, mm-hmm. you know, there's a problem. Can you address this? But there are, unfortunately, are people that intentionally seek these out to quit um, do these lawsuits. Aside from the menu example, because that's a really great one, I do e-commerce. So I'm curious, did it mention what the major issues were with e-commerce sites? So with the e-commerce sites, Usually the description of the images are very long. I think that would apply to any one of us because when I go shopping, especially as women, we want to know as much detail as mm-hmm. possible about the pants and the shirt sizes and how they would fit us because sizing across the board is not the same on <laughs> any of these platforms. That's why they end up in these lawsuits because one, they're using overlay, accessibility overlay. Hmm. If you use accessibility overlay, I will come at you. <laughs> well, okay, Can you what tell is us that? more? Yeah. So accessibility overlays are basically an overlay that companies sell to websites to allow for the disability user to create better contrast or enlarging text and stuff like that. But it's just a band-aid fit. It's not really fisting the website. You know what this reminds me of is like in Shopify, you can get apps that like overwrite your SEO and they Mm -hmm. call themselves SEO apps. But if you delete the app, you delete the SEO. It was never actually done on your Mm -hmm. site. So it it sounds like a similar thing. Yeah. I hate those overlays. So what is that like from a user perspective? Like from... The person with the disability, when they have assistive tools that they already use, and you're applying these overlays, it usually interferes with what we designed and created for our own setup. Think about it. You come into your own home, and you have all these things set up exactly the way you want, and then somebody comes in and does the blanket effect. Mm-hmm. It's going to create a contradiction, conflict, and going to cause issue. So that's why... It's like, no, you need to fit fit it at the root of the problem. Same thing with health. Like, you want to fix your health at the root of the problem. I'm laughing because the podcast we recorded just before you was talking exactly about that is like fixing the root cause of this like health problem. So this is perfect. You tied it in and you didn't even know it. (laughs) There's so many underlying issues. And I think people miss that they need to deal with the root. And once you deal with the root and make that healthy, you're going to be able to create a much better experience for people with disabilities.
When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. So as we think about not only making sure that our websites are accessible because it's the right thing to do, but also because we don't want to end up in one of those 80 to 100 lawsuits a week. Is there a resource somewhere that kind of gives you a checklist of what you need to have on your site? Because I think a lot of it, as much as anything, is just a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding mm-hmm. of what's required. So many of us use website builders. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of us that's like, look, we're not coders. We're not theme developers. How do we know what's been done or what needs to be done? Is there anything out there that can help with that? So with website, I have not created that resource yet because I don't feel like I have that expertise, but I'm working with several other people to create that resource. But I have a social media accessibility that basically allows you to go through your whole scorecard and check and see what you're doing to try to improve that. And I feel like a lot of those can still apply to your website as well. Mm-hmm. There's that. But other thing I'm going to throw out there is one of the things I created last month is this platform called Successible. So mm-hmm. it's just that plus accessible combined. The idea behind this platform is to allow people who are committed to accessibility in their business and want to build it from the ground up. And even if you're like three, four, five years into your business and you realize this is a key core value, right? Or it's just something that you end up committed to. I want people to join the platform because I have all these different videos and resources and they get access to me where I can talk to them how to make changes and stuff like that. Like, Brittany, you were saying, this is how I do my old tech. And then I'm helping you adjust it a little bit. That way we can all create the gold standard together. But I don't know how everyone processes work because we've all created our own. But I also don't want to necessarily say this is one way and the only way. And that's just not how life works. And even though you yourself have two different disabilities going on, there are other people and they probably have different ways of handling things. They have different tools. They have different things that they are able to do that. Different references. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a big thing, but it gives me hope. And hopefully it's giving you listening hope as well that there are some basic things that we can do just Mm -hmm. to be like, we're trying. We've got these things. And then if you really want to knock it out of the park, you can go check out Successible with Erin. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it's just like with SEO. It's almost like there's a technical accessibility foundation that you should have. Just like with technical SEO, you should make sure that you don't have broken links and that we have the different elements on the page that are supposed to be there. In my mind, that's how I'm categorizing this technical accessibility. What's the minimum standard that we can meet to just make sure that people have what they need to be able to utilize our site and get the information they need? You're right, because when you add in proper phrasing and you do the right SEO for your website, it makes it so much easier for people to 
on your website and they can navigate through it. And the experience just gets so much better. We've all been there where you're like, why can't I find any? I will say one of the biggest culprits are blogs. I am a blog reader, but one thing I hate is when I can't find that search bar. Mm-hmm. Where is this search bar? They hide it on mm-hmm. the website. And it's like, why do you do that? Because I want to be able to search your website for more information, but they also have to be like really strong in the SDO because you need to make your entire website just book. Now, if you don't, I'm not going to go back and look at your archive and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just too much information to try to sift through when it would be so much easier if someone could type in a phrase or a couple words or a question into a search bar. That's really good. I'm like, I don't think my search bar is front and center. Yeah, and I have a client that I work with that I initially, I said, hey, where's the search bar? Where's the search function? Because even just a general practice, if I want to find something, there's lots of different information on that website. Mm -hmm. How do I navigate to it? So this is just another example. This happens all the time in UX where it's like, if you look at things through an accessibility lens, you often find a way that's going to improve the experience for everybody Mm -hmm. because people are experiencing the same problem just in different ways. You know what I just thought about? Like, you know how you say a lot of the people building their own websites are not coded and stuff? And mm-hmm. I think that's where these big platforms, WordPress, Squarespace, Showing, Shopify, they could all benefit from really putting accessibility at the forefront of mm-hmm. their website and say, hey, if you're learning how to build your website, here are some like major tips. So they can hire me, by the way. I know. I'm just thinking, like, whoever gets to Aaron first, that's going to be a really smart website developer. I'm fortunate because I talked to a platform yesterday and they only had two people that I felt like were advocating for accessibility. And this is a company that makes, like, I don't know, $85 million a year. Mm -hmm. And it's still lacking. And it feels very disappointing to... Be the one to be like, hey, I really like what you built, but here are a lot of things that you need to fix. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you, you're you talking to the two right people. And I'm saying, you're the only two mm-hmm. people. You need a team of people to really advocate for this. And so as a small business owner, also understand that I know you are doing your best. But mm-hmm. right now, then you're not fixing it in the future or assigning it to your team to create it. Make sure your whole team is aware of all the accessibility things that you have to do. And then it'll cost you so much less money in the long run. Yeah. I do hope you make like a website checklist and charge for it. Like that's not a freebie. That's definitely like a product. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Because I could see that being really helpful for those of us who are solopreneurs or maybe only have one person on our team or something. And even if it's two people, like that's great. And there's still a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So how can people find you if they want to connect with you? Let's see that someone from WordPress or Shopify or Wix or all of those guys, they're listening right now. How they, do they connect they, with you? They can find me on Instagram at Mabely underscore Q. So that's M-A-B-E-L-Y underscore Q. And also my website, 
maybelehue.com. And I also link to my successful platform. They can also join that as well, which I think is honestly a really great deal because I am teaching so much different things. I'm very focused. If you want to learn about making your email accessibility better, there's like all these things on email accessibility and one thing at a time. So you're not like learning 10 things in one video, which I understand is very overwhelming. But the platform needs a lot of work too. <laughs> we get there. But you're starting. You're Yeah, on your I way. started. This is great. And we'll make sure that we have everything linked in the show notes so that you guys can get to it easily. This was absolutely incredible. I'm so grateful that you joined us for this. Thank yeah. you. Thank Me you, Erin. I feel like I learned something too. That's the best podcast. That I, happens so often. Uh, we recently recorded with both of our dads for mm-hmm. Father's Day episodes, which are probably out now or hopefully out soon. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that Crystal's dad was commenting on was, it sounds like your guests learn too. And it's like, yeah, we're all here to learn together and just get better. I love yeah, that. That's exactly what we're here for. I have a lot of entertaining empathy because I'm a one-woman show. I do everything myself. So I... I have a lot of respect for business owners that are really doing their best. And I don't want them to feel like horrible or be like, oh my God, I made a mistake. It's like, okay, live and learn. I learned from my <laughs> mistakes as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is something I just got chills. This is awesome. Yeah. I can't thank you enough because I really wanted to, to be able to speak to this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. We can always do a part two. Yes. yes. Always. Yeah, I usually listen to it a couple of times when I'm editing and then I listen to it after it comes out and then I start thinking of more questions. And there's still a link in the show notes, uh, right? If you're listening and you're kind of like, wow, I have some questions too and you want to submit them so that when we talk to Erin again, we can ask her, please do that. It's Gallus. So is there yeah, yeah, the Gallus link in the show notes. Drop any questions that you might have and yeah, let's let's hash this stuff out together. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this info, subscribe before you go so you never miss out on something related to SEO. (laughs) See you next time.